I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. The Sound in Your Ears is a bonus rebroadcast episode of the show featuring my recent appearance on the Mind Body Mentor podcast with my friend Stephen Jaggers recorded out in lovely Sedona, Arizona. In this conversation, which was recorded in a dry creek bed in the middle of the desert, we go down the rabbit hole of the current events in the world, biohacking integrated with spirituality, addiction recovery, psychedelics, and conscious relationships. Enjoy this conversation and may you be inspired to live your best life. I'll be back next week with an official episode of the Lifestylist podcast featuring Dr. Joy Kong, where we discuss stem cell healing miracles and ketamine therapy. All right, my brother, Luke Story. What a pleasure it is to connect with you here in the the Red Rocks, beautiful Sedona. So good. I've recorded in a few beautiful places, um, a few outdoors, but this is mm. this is one of the tops. Mm. Yeah, I want to set a precedence to always podcast outdoors, mm. somewhere beautiful, grounded, natural light. Feels good. Just connected. So, what like have you had any big takeaways from being here in Sedona? Like, has anything? Well, you know, I think one of the biggest was during our bodywork session the other day and i had a tremendous emotional uh, sort of like wringing out a towel mm. and kind of shaking off a bunch of stagnant energy and i got a very clear vision that um after living in los angeles for some 30 plus years now that i was carrying a lot of weight of the collective of that particular location mm. and all of the electro smog and just the the artificial energy there and uh i you know i travel a lot and i get out i go to mexico mm. i go on vacation i'm going to do things but for some reason being here i think partly due to the fact that i'm prospecting here as a possible place to live full time i really have felt the weight and density of that energy in that city God bless it. I mean, I've built two careers there and or three really, <laughs> one illicit and two legal. Um, but you know, I've had, I've had a, I've had a good run uh, in 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 that city and I love I feel like I'm from California. I mean, I I was born in in Denver, but I've lived there you know, for the most part since I was a kid and um, just like being near the coast and west coast has always just felt like home, but I think that's the thing out here has just been wow, I really got to let go of a lot of that built up pressure and just realizing how stressed out I've been without knowing it. And that's, I think that's the biggest takeaway. And also uh, being in the middle of the COVID era, there's, I, I think a larger percentage of people here that are kind of unplugged from that matrix. Yeah, man, I feel like I'm living in a bubble here. <laughs> yeah. And so just walking into a place and, I still find myself getting my defenses ready for a Karen that wants to verbally assault me for <laughs> putting grandma at risk uh, and not wearing my my face communist face muzzle. 
Um, but I've only had one instance here the whole time I've been here where someone told me to put on a mask and that's when I was waiting in that organic Italian place in the lobby. And she's like, if you're going to wait here for your table, you have to put your mask on. Uh, but other than that, I, I walk in a place and I'm kind of braced for a Karen, yeah, uh, you know, uh, onslaught, and and no one really says anything. I get the sense that people working in businesses here are really bummed out about the fact that they have to wear. They don't want to wear a mask. Yeah, and so uh, I feel this sense of kind of American liberty here, for lack of a better Absolutely. term. You know, it just feels very free and. Yeah, it feels like I've not home. exercised my right to open carry yet, but I feel like, <laughs> Are you ready? Are you yeah, ready I feel that? like I would like to, you know, I would like to. Yeah. Maybe I should I got I my see you. I have my little six shooter. I could walk around the yard here and just <laughs> feel what it feels like to to uh exercise that that yeah. amendment. But I think that's it. You know, it's just really the difference culturally between the oppressive totalitarian pseudo soon to be communist state of California and mm. being out here and I guess what is still a red state. And it's an interesting thing in Sedona because it's, it's like Republican government majority, I guess, here in Arizona. It's a weird mix. But there's a super new agey contingent here, mm-hmm. but the new agers seem to be very much pro-liberty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I guess just polit- geopolitically in our country and around the world, there's just such a huge shift in the way people view things and categorize themselves and so I feel like I'm I'm at home here in that sense. There's like-minded people that are um, inquisitive mm-hmm. and and curious about different perspectives and willing to think critically and be radically objective about what we're facing in our country and around the world. Just very awake people here, which I really yeah, appreciate. Very integrated. You know, I find that people kind of bypass the labels here because, just like you said, like there's the new age group, but we're also interested in like freedom and, you know, being able to speak our truth and being able to walk around without a mask and, and just being in that place of just, man, of freedom. And they don't, you know, they don't call it, they, they actually call this slow donut. And that's really a, a, a byproduct of what a lot of people experience here. They come here and it's just like, it's really, it's really slow. And, you know, living here, one of the biggest takeaways for me has been that there there really aren't any distractions here. There's not a whole lot going on. So if you find yourself becoming distracted or you find yourself becoming stressed out or or going through something, it's usually something inside, you know, something that's coming up for yourself. And most people that come here go through a pretty, pretty heavy process because you, you have to sit with yourself or and and it's it's a shedding, it's a clearing of like all the stuff that you've, you've been through, but I'm just curious if you feel like, well, obviously the time that you spent in Hollywood, the time that you've spent, you know, just, um, exposed to just so much EMF and craziness and, and all of those times, like, do you feel like that's what has driven you to becoming so interested in biohacking or, or finding ways to, navigate and take care of the vessel with technology or, or yeah, do you think your time spent in, cause I know you were a Hollywood stylist for a long time and, you know, just around the hustle and bustle and, and all of that, like what do you feel like that's led you to where you are now? Well, to dig a little deeper, let's go as, as you're yeah. asking me that question, I'm of course thinking of the answer as I listen. Uh, 
Actually, this occurred to me on a few occasions, and one of which was again during the session we did the other day, which I'm, you know, I'm not referring to to like get you clients to listen to your podcast, but it, it was a very powerful experience for me. And uh, one of the things that came to mind was just uh, this sense of perhaps perceived or real to some degree control about my physical body, my safety, my vitality, how I feel, um, ways that I don't choose to feel. And that control is kind of a double-edged sword. And I think it's rooted in a lot of the things I experienced as a child, a lot of trauma and abuse Mm. situations in which I was unable to exert any control. And so, you know, through meditation and self-inquiry and plant medicine journeys and all sorts of things I've seen that I really put on this protective shell. And you even mentioned that in our, I think you called it armor in our session. And so I would say that not necessarily in a negative way, but perhaps a bit more shadow element of my pursuit of health and well-being and what's now called biohacking is rooted in that sense of really wanting to control my environment and control the way I feel. Mm. Uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something to be aware of because it can lead to an element of neurosis. Absolutely. Right. In the, you know, in, in the diet realm, I guess you would call that, um, what's that, um, orthorexia, you know, where you're like so paranoid about everything that you eat and controlling and want to control your whole family and all that, you know, and I've been through all those different phases. I'm, I've definitely much more live and let live now because I see the futility and trying to, and just the grossness and trying to get other people to comply with your wishes for their will. You know, it's just not a healthy standpoint, but, uh, to your point, I'm seeing the unraveling now of kind of a lot of those control mechanisms and, uh, a deeper level of surrender, you know, I think, and the macro surrender has been something that's um, been really the key to my happiness and connection to God. It's just realizing that there's a force that's benevolent, that's so much more powerful than any of my, the minutia of my control mechanisms, you know? So on the, mm. on the kind of potentially negative side is that, so that's led me to be someone that does, you know, three ice baths a day and does the infrared saunas and the red light therapy. I have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber and ozone generators. And like, I refuse to feel ill or get sick or have any pathology. I want to be as vital as possible. So on the physical side, um, I think that's it. But to your question specifically, everything that I do in the realm of physical health and why I'm such an advocate for being autonomous and really managing your own human meat suit is because I've lived so long in the city and Mm -hmm. uh, I've gotten really ill as a result of just that inner urban lifestyle and being so disconnected from nature. So when you live in a big city like LA or New York City or any other city where you're really cut off from the elements like that, and not only that, but you're inundated with all that EMF, you you escape you know on weekends or you take a vacation here or there to mm-hmm. to recreate right recreate <laughs> recreation yeah, recreate, my friend daniel yeah. vitalis broke that word down I'll never forget i was like oh my god oh we're my god. we're pretending to be in our natural life way mm-hmm. when we go to the park right yeah you go for a hike you know it's a recreation area we're recreating what we've evolved to actually be which is part of the landscape part of the natural world and when you're living in a city, whether you like it or not, or whether you take breaks to recreate your natural 
Lifeway or habitat, you really are disconnected from Mother Earth and from the cosmos in a profound way. So, when a human ape animal becomes disconnected from its environment and self imprisons in a human zoo called a home, office, school, hospital, wherever we end up, uh, pathology, both physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, ensues. So, my efforts have all been around. <laughs> turning the urban environment into a natural oasis. So if I'm using red light therapy, it's because I'm not able to sun gaze at dusk and dawn and get that yeah. sun on my body. So I'm you know, using a red light therapy to mimic and amplify something that exists in nature, hyperbaric oxygen chamber, PEMF devices, mm-hmm. uh, the biocharger, the amp coil, all of these different things that are technologies that people call biohacking to me are just ways to sort of supplement energetic nutrition that we're missing from our natural environment. And it would be enough, I think, to just move to the middle of nowhere, like Sedona. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's places that are much more remote, obviously, but let's just say a small town, 10,000 people, and just kind of start over. But the fact is so much damage has been done Mm. through, depending on how old you are, through the series of vaccinations that you've had from drinking fluoridated water the whole time you're a kid, like I did. Um, you know, growing up in the 70s and the 80s to GMO foods and pesticides and not being breastfed and being circumcised and, you know, being indoctrinated into the medical system. I mean, you're fighting an uphill battle to begin with. So mm. I think that's why I'm a bit more committed than your average person, because I see the deficit that I came into the world with. Absolutely. That's even worse for kids now, of course, yeah. uh, that are born into the I can't even industrial medical complex. But it's like there's no going backwards and that's not even counting the genetics of however many generations in my uh, family history were post-industrial revolution, right? Mm-hmm. That was kind of the first big fuck up. Yeah. Uh, and then going back before that was the agricultural revolution. And we've not recovered from either of those and perhaps never will. So that's mm-hmm. where... I found it necessary to use all of these props in terms of absolutely developing a lifestyle to just be at base level. We need supplements, and even in our food, you know, uh, people say, "Well, like, why are you? Um, you know, you should just be able to eat clean food, and you don't need all these other things to like help you if you're just eating clean food and uh, drinking clean water, which we're already at a deficit. So we need these supplementations just to get us back to." you know, homeostasis or where we're, you know, all the stuff that we've yeah. <laughs> combated. Yeah. And it's, it's so yeah. interesting because I find myself so interested in the, you know, yeah, biohacking, figuring out these different, these new technologies to help mimic us, uh, mimic these natural technologies that, that keep us in a, in a, in a vital state. And you can go so far deep into it where you, just like you said, it's like it's like a control mechanism where you almost start to like it, it's almost like a sort of bypassing where it, it can start to get there. Yeah, and I see yeah. this with the uh, it's it's so funny because I, I see both sides of the polarity or the spectrum. Like a lot of my really new age friends, they are bypassing the the physical body 
when they're just like, let me just connect to God. Let me just shoot my Kundalini energy up into the ethers. And, you know, I just like, I'm going to let my physical body die because it's, you know, I want to connect to God or, or whatever it is. And that's a bypassing of the physical body where it's like, no, the physical body is the temple and the temple is where we go to worship or where we go to connect, you know, spirit sources is, is known through the flesh. So it's like we, there's, it's such an interesting balance and we always, and that's why self-inquiry practice is so important, you know, meditation and all of the things that you, I know you do to know where we're at on that spectrum and how we can balance ourselves out. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And on the other side of it, and I'm sure you were kind of traveling there and I'm going to steal the show from you. Yeah. How about it? Is that all of the, so yeah. So someone who's more focused on the metaphysical realm, right? And discounts the physical realm. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? I'm not my body, right? Mm -hmm. Which we're not our body, but the fact is we're sort of encased in our body. So on that side, there is the potential for bypass of recognizing that you have this vessel and it requires a certain uh, fortitude of your nervous system and endocrine system and neurotransmitters and everything like that in order to do your spiritual work here. On the physical side, a lot of the biohackers negate the power of intention Mm. and the power of the elements and the power of God and consciousness and community and human connection and love and intimacy and all those things. And it's, it's funny because I've found myself on a number of occasions where I, I wake up and I just feel off. Right. And for whatever reason, I don't feel centered, grounded, my mind's foggy or racing thoughts, et cetera. And I'll apply maybe lack of sleep. That would be a good example. Like if I don't get good, solid sleep for enough hours, I'll definitely wake up feeling not myself and kind of incapable of performing at my highest potential that day. So I'll do all the things, you know, I'll work out, I'll take an ice bath, I'd breath work, da, 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 you know, do a Kundalini yoga set, the whole thing and be it like 50% where I want to be with my mood in terms of just feeling, having a positive outlook and just feeling happy and, and, and centered and then I'll have a conversation with a friend and really connect mm-hmm. on a heart level or be of service to someone or allow someone to be service to me and you know, just have a good chat with a homie or a hug and just have some intimacy and human connection. And that is infinitely more powerful than the two hours I just spent doing all the things. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so on the the physical biohacker fitness archetype side. I think there's so much emphasis on the control of your state and using all of these props to do so. And I'm speaking of myself at times, of course, uh, when the real power lies in connection to God and specifically connection to God through other people, you know, mm. and that human connection, such an essential human nutrient. touch and, and love and vulnerability and true, deep, honest communication with other people, like mm. what we're doing right now. I think that is ultimately infinitely more powerful and nourishing than anything you can do to yourself by yourself using the various technologies. And so it really is a fine balance, I think, of uh, for someone like me to be self-aware mm-hmm. and, and to do self-inquiry and look at where my lines of crazy are, <laughs> you know, like yeah. where are the boundaries of like just fundamental mental health, balance, self-awareness, 
understanding uh, my limitations, acknowledging and accepting them, and always remembering that there is one who has all power and that one is God, whatever you perceive God to be in your experience. Mm-hmm. And staying in that connection, I think, is the most important thing for me. And it's it's been really interesting. Now I'm engaged to uh, Allison, who you met and did work with. And, uh, you know, she's a, such a beautiful soul because she just allows me to be in my full expression, yeah. however extreme that might be. And I do my best to just stay in my lane and not infringe on her preferences or lifestyle, although I'm tempted to because, you know, I have ideas about how she should be managing her body. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I've gotten pretty good at just staying in my lane. Uh, you know, unless she comes to me with a problem and says, hey, I'm feeling this or that. What, what could you do for it? I'm like, ah, finally. Finally, Get you yeah. in the oxygen chamber, whatever it is. But, uh, but I watch her and it's like her way of staying in balance and staying centered, connected, happy, free, um, abundant, is just through her shamanic practices. It, yeah. She doesn't take any supplements. She doesn't, she's passively at best interested in any of the biohacks that I do. She's never going to get in an ice bath. She doesn't like mm-hmm. cold. You know, it does the red light here and there, takes a couple supplements that are, I think, some of the more critical ones that her body resonated with. She takes them because she wants to, not because I told her I think it's a good idea. So it's been really instructive for me to live with someone and have such an intimate relationship where they seem to be able to achieve what I'm looking for by just living their life. And you have the other, well, you have the other, uh, you have the other spectrum and what a powerful polarity that is because you are, you're obviously an extreme dude, you know, and you're, (laughs) and you're putting yourselves on the forefront and, and doing all these extreme things to, you know, share with other people the technologies and the things that are that are working for you to to feel optimal and to live optimal, and it's like you've accumulated all of these tools in your medicine bag, you know, and, and all of these are beautiful tools. And she has all her tools, which are more of the shamanic nature, which I can't wait to see. You know what the evolution of that because you you guys's counterpart is so, um, I think, integrated. And between the two of you, you have, you guys really have a holistic yeah. outlook. Yeah, thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging that. It's important for me to see that too. Mm-hmm. We have come up with an idea called Higher Power Couple mm. where we're going to be using our shared wisdom and experience, especially around relationships because we've had some hard lessons um, individually. <laughs> yeah. Now the lessons we share together are, are, pretty, <laughs> are pretty easy comparatively. The lessons are like how deep into love and intimacy yeah. and vulnerability can you go uh, versus you know how can you find the perfect match to trigger and reenact all your childhood trauma, which mm. is, I think, you know, a step along the way. Uh, but our experience is so much different than that, I think, because of the work that's been put in. So yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to... Um, I'm also really looking forward to exploring that as well and um, sort of codifying our dynamic and mm. shared experience in a way that we can help people and reach people like that. And it's so uh, inspiring to me to be around someone who's in a totally different way, kind of arrived at the same place, you know, which yeah. is, which is really cool to see. And, and on that note, you know, one thing that's really exemplified the difference in the ways in which we, grow as individuals is, you know, as of two years ago or so, 
uh, I started going into the realm of plant medicines and psychedelics after yeah. being 22 years sober. You know, mm. part of the story that I left out was that I was, as a kid, a really incorrigible alcoholic and drug addict, and I got sober when I was 26. And that was really the beginning of starting to seek well-being in my life. And mm. um, you know, it's a whole other story in and of itself. But I just did Vedic meditation and Kundalini yoga and did non um, exogenous, you know, methods yeah. of arriving at some sense of self-realization on the road to enlightenment. And, uh, and then I discovered plant medicines and had such a positive experience, especially the first couple, uh, rounds of ayahuasca that I became pretty enthusiastic about exploring that territory. Mm. And she met me kind of or not met me, but we became a couple right in the middle of my enthusiastic exploration of that to the point where it became a little bit of a concern to her because I was getting quite frequent. Not that I'm going to you know, relapse and go back and, yeah. and do street drugs or something. because not I just, like you're doing ayahuasca recreationally. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I think because of all, you know, 22 years of work that I put in, once I used the medicines as a gateway to open up those different portals and dimensions, I was very intentional about the work that I wanted to do once I crossed over and lifted the veil into those dimensions. So it wasn't just like meandering into some psychedelic stupor. Like I go into the void. It's very intentional. Yeah. Into the quantum field. And I'm working on things that I'm very deliberately, um, you know, wanting to heal. Yeah. So anyway, with her, after a while, she, started to express a little concern, you know, because one weekend I'm going off and doing a mushroom journey. Next weekend I'm smoking Bufo Toad, TMT. <laughs> and, you know, every time I do it, I'm just like, holy shit, I come home and I'm like, man, yeah. I had this list of things that I worked through and realizations. And mm -hmm. I think I was getting a bit overzealous about it just in terms of yeah. being able to really integrate all of those That's teachings. The part. And so, you know, the realization of one another that we came to was that I didn't realize that she has those experiences just on her own. She does astral travel and all of the kind of things that happen in a medicine ceremony at her altar every morning, kind of like on demand. And for whatever reason, I'm not as of yet wired that way where I dip in in that sense. So it helped me to understand why from her perspective, she's like, dude, why do you need to go do medicine all the time? And she's a shaman yeah. telling me this, right? I mean, she's not a medicine shaman per se, but she's had her experiences. And I'm thinking, how could you not do this a couple times a month? Like, look how much I'm, you know, getting yeah, done the in the quantum track. realm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just healing, you know, deep, <laughs> deep stuff, past lives and birth trauma and just deep, deep shit that I've never been able to reach. And so the understanding was beautiful in that she has her way of doing things and yeah. things come to her naturally in that sense. And for me, that booster seat of medicine journeys has been really useful, mm. but also now willing to explore um, in a more meaningful way other realms of doing that that aren't maybe so disruptive to one's psyche, you know? Because yeah. doing a lot of medicine in a short period of time, I mean... Yeah, you're hitting can, the reset button so frequently. Yeah, it can be pretty jarring uh in a way so I'm, I'm thankful to have received that message from someone that's like hey there's other ways to do this and i know that i mean i did that yeah. for 22 years i've had crazy psychedelic mm -hmm. and you know profound realizations just doing a three-hour kundalini yoga set you know and just absolute, absolute transcendence of all of this and healing mm -hmm. deep things and having things be revealed from the subconscious and from the field and 
all of that, but um, it takes a lot longer and it's a lot more work to get Absolutely, there that man. way. You know, so it's uh, it's been an interesting balance between the two of us where we've had to, you know, I I elected to take a break and kind of heed her mm-hmm. her um, not warning, but just her wisdom and yeah. acknowledging that maybe some discernment or prudence might be um, useful. And so I took quite a break and then, you know, now I'm slowly tiptoeing back into it here and there, but it was really interesting to take that break and kind of heed her Mm -hmm. wisdom because uh, a lot of 3d shit and 2d shit had to be dealt with right at that time. And I didn't see it coming. I was put in a position to buy a business partner out and uh, you know, just tax things and money things and, looking for to buy a home things just yeah, all very the real earthly world shit, yeah real world shit all sort of came at this cascade uh of events after she noticed that i was being a bit frivolous perhaps with my journeys mm-hmm. and um or at least a little bit frequent if nothing else and so i was like cool you know what let me let me respect that i'm gonna take a little break and then all this real world shit happened got through it a few month period and then felt like I'm ready to do some vision work now. And yeah. I did and had a couple of really powerful experiences and it's been all well, but it is really interesting being with someone who has the same mission, right? To evolve, mm-hmm. to heal, to inspire and teach other people to have that experience in and of themselves, uh, but doing so in a uniquely different way. Yeah. There's many ways to the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Totally. Totally. <laughs> it's like, we're all going to the same place and there's, you yeah. know, like you said, yeah, my meditation teacher said there's a, there's a lot of different windows into the mansion of God, you mm-hmm. know? And so one way is not right. And it, it's also interesting how at different phases in one's life, you um, are attracted to a certain teacher or teaching or modality or system of evolution. And then you explore that and delve into that. And then it kind of runs its course. And then you find that you're evolving into a different, another realm, plane, yeah. a different realm of, of, um, of evolving and healing. And so I'm someone that's really open to doing that. And I think my role is just, I'm the explorer that's kind of at the front of the pack, that's opening doors and checking things out and then reporting back to whoever wants to listen as to what worked, what didn't and why. Mm. And, um, at times that means being sort of a canary in the coal mine or a guinea pig of sorts and taking things to the extreme a bit in order to be able to um, accurately report what my findings are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a fun gig. It's a fun gig. And I have the net benefit of pushing the boundaries sometimes a little too far and, um, and having to reel it back in. And uh, also pushing the boundaries so far that I'm able to transcend leaps and bounds of limitations and, um, unresolved trauma and things that have held me back from being my best self and living my best life. Mm. So I don't, I don't, I don't see any other purpose to being here. Like why else would I be in a body and go through the, what is sometimes torture of being a human being here on the planet, on the yeah. earth plane, you know, it's like, why go through this if there isn't an end goal? And the end goal is to not only evolve myself, but to bring as many, to be of service, yeah, as many folks as I can along with me. And that mm. comes from my, my time spent in um, in addiction recovery, you know, it's like it's one thing to be saved yourself, but it won't last long unless you're there in earnest, willing to be of service to other people that want to achieve the same for themselves. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. 
I'd like to take a moment to talk about EMF or electromagnetic frequencies. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know this is a huge issue in our home environment and in the world collectively. In my opinion, this is one of the greatest threats to not only human health, but all life on earth. So I've done everything I can to mitigate the EMF in my house. And I've spent so much time and energy doing so that I decided to create an entire online course for you about it. It's going to be launching in a few weeks and I'm going to give you an opportunity now to get on the wait list and save yourself $100 on the course. I created this course because I'm extremely sensitive to EMF and I found this out the hard way by living unknowingly under two massive cell towers for three years. I suffered from insomnia, migraines, blurred vision, vertigo, nausea. I was sick all the time. It was a train wreck. And as you know, if you're a listener again, uh, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I'm very committed to my physical health and uh, these EMFs just wrecked me. So when I moved into this house, I made a commitment to make this house EMF free or as safe as I could. And as I started to do that, I realized, wow, this is a lot of work. So I went ahead and turned it into an online course. It's over four hours of content. There's seven modules and six bonus videos. It is extremely comprehensive and also entertaining. So we go through the house and we look at all the different sources of EMF from everything from a hairdryer to the you know, Wi-Fi enabled heater to the Sonos speakers to the Wi-Fi router, the electric toothbrush, every biohacking gadget in the house. We even tested the flicker level on the lighting. I mean, it's a really comprehensive home assessment with Brian Hoyer, uh, one of the foremost experts in EMF mitigation. And by the end of this course, you're going to know how to discover the EMF sources in your home and how to fix them. It's pretty amazing. I'm really excited about that. So if you want to save $100 off the course and get on the wait list, here's what you do. Go to lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. That's lukestory.com slash EMF masterclass. Or if you have a US phone, you can text the word EMF Masterclass to the number 44222. That's all one word, EMF Masterclass to the number 44222. And now back to the interview. It's almost like the concept of like self-medicating. Like, you know, we and and the medicine changes, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the medicine changes and, and we grow and evolve. And, and as we grow and evolve and, and step into new realms, we find different routes of, of whatever medicine that is. And whether it's, you know, at one point in our lives when we're going through heavy trauma and turning to hard drugs or whatever it was, mm-hmm. we, were, we were trying to find some sort of connection. And now it's yeah. like, you've evolved to this place where you're finding these other different forms of, of, <laughs> of medicine and, and, mm-hmm. and self-medicating and, and, and using those to heal those parts of yourself and then reporting back to other people who have been in the same, same place as you and healing these, these deep traumas so that we can move forward from a place of peace and connection. That's really interesting thinking about the self-medicating, you know. Uh, Which sounds like a terrible term, but really it's... it's Well, I I like it. It is. It's a nuanced term because self-medicating, to your point, can be done using medicines that numb and disconnect you Mm -hmm. from who you are and from others and from the experience of your reality. And then there are medicines that 
more deeply plug you into the depth of reality. Exactly. Right. And so exactly. it's it's interesting to think about as you were talking, I thought, wow, you know, heroin is a plant medicine, yeah. alcohol is a plant medicine, cocaine's a plant medicine. I guess crystal meth, not so much. But <laughs> almost every very effective it comes from some illicit in the drug, world. you know, is um, and I'm sure there's, you know, an origin of some crystal meth like molecule in nature somewhere. But uh yeah, ephedra. Ephedra, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mormon grass for anybody yeah. that wants to. So um yeah, even aspirin, you know, white willow bark, I think, right? So it's it's a matter of kind of um the personality of that medicine mm. and what your intention is in doing it. So for now, at this point in my life, I mean sometimes I take Kratom, for example, which could be yeah. likened to heroin, right? It's an opiate. And um I take it if I feel a lot of stress in my body or a lot of pain in my body and I'm using it intentionally. But what I'm not using it for is to numb out my experience and erase mm-hmm. my current reality, which is why I used heroin and you know cocaine and crack and all the things, alcohol and all the things that I used to abuse so, so enthusiastically. But those were always about escaping from myself and from my thoughts, feelings, sensations, emotions, my present perception of reality because reality really is only what we perceive it to be right absolutely and so stopping all those medicines because of their consequences and horrific side effects uh not doing any other medicines outside of my own body and 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 self for all of those years and then reintroducing them was such a powerful experience because not only the intention is different but the personality or essence of those medicines is so much different you know, so it's like they all have their uses. God put them all here. The the opium poppy is here for a reason, right? And we discovered yeah. it for a reason, just like folks in the Amazon discovered, you know, mixing the chacruna leaf and the ayahuasca vine and boiling that up and making some powerful medicine from that. But you're never going to take ayahuasca and escape from your problems. You're, you're not. only going to take ayahuasca and be faced so squarely and starkly with your problems and and who created them, whether that whether that be you or someone in your past or just a life circumstance. So it is really interesting to approach life from a standpoint of self-medicating as in being your own healer. Yeah. You know, and listening to your wisdom. And I guess early in life, my wisdom was like there was no ayahuasca around. There was no I mean, there was psilocybin. I did a lot of mushrooms and acid, yeah. but I it's like, I didn't there. even know you could have an intention other than just freaking out at a Grateful Dead show or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a survival mechanism now, whereas in my experience as of late, and it's been this way for many years, anything I do in the realms of spirituality, whether I'm assisted by someone or something, the intention is never to get away from myself. It's to just fully embrace myself and to fully love and accept yeah. myself and to really open up the curtains and expose anything that's been hidden from light so that it can be transcended. Yeah. And uh, you don't transcend anything from smoking crack except, you know, the, you transcend your connection to God in the sense that you, you dampen and mute it. Yeah. Uh, to the point of oblivion, you know, I really, I really love the, uh, the take that Gabor Mate has on addiction and how he says like, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, it just makes so much sense where it's like, when we are using it in that sort of, uh, intention to numb and to not feel, and we, we, 
we're lacking the connection and and now it's like you know you've done enough work or or we've done enough work to where we actually want to be present in our lives we want to be connected and we want to be connected to the all the full spectrum of ourselves all of the stuff that we've gone through in our in like the full spectrum of our shadow all of those deep realms it's like we want to the obstacle is the way you know like, yeah, yeah like totally, we really like totally. like now it's not it's now it's not like okay shove it all down like yeah. i don't want to feel that shit you know like stuff it yeah. dep- suppress depress whatever it is it's like oh let's fucking pull it let's look at it let's like let's I fucking agree. look at it because that's where the gold is at yeah that's where the gold yeah. is in the shadow like most people that i work with find their fucking deepest purpose when we go into the parts that they don't want to look about in their psyche, in their deepest shadows, because it's usually the shit that you've gone through, all of the stuff that you've dealt with, the traumas, the, the hurt, the pain, that's usually where your gold is at. And if you can find a way to alchemize it and, and, and figure out how to turn it into something to help people, sort of like what you've done, you know, mm-hmm. now you're using, you've built a platform to be able to, to let everyone know what's working for you and what's making you feel amazing. And, but yeah, we want to, we want to fucking pull it out. We want to look at it. Like, and I think that's what's going on in our world right now. Like, I don't think that any, like, there's not like more evil shit that's going on right now. I think it's just like, now it's like, it's all out there and we can see it. And it's like, we're fucking looking at our collective shadow. Like it's right in front of us. Yeah. Like, are we going to look at it and and what are we going to do with it? Are we going to, are we going to make a change? Are we going to like face it? We're going through like a collective medicine journey. Yeah. It feels like it to me yeah. at least. The world's in rehab right now. <laughs> <laughs> we all we just, need our 12 steps. We like. all just got our final, our final DUI and we're, uh, we're at the end of the road. Yeah. What you're saying though about that, uh, Gabor Mate, the connection versus addiction, you know, it's really interesting. What came to mind was the, unprecedented and undeniable impact of the 12 steps as a spiritual teaching and as a movement collectively. And I've often, you know, as a, someone who's been rescued by that group of teachings uh, wholeheartedly, and I owe everything that is in my life now to that experience. Um, you have to talk about it in kind of a roundabout way because of the principles of anonymity and all that. But let's just say the 12 steps as a teaching have been really influential in my life. And the core of why that is so transformative and so powerful is because of the human connection and the unconditional love that is found in those little groups of people around the world that are coming together and being forthright and vulnerable and honest about their particular issue du jour, right? Whether it be, you know, sex issues or being addicted to saving and helping other people, um, being addicted to avoiding love or being addicted Mm -hmm. to being needy of love, alcohol, drugs, nicotine, whatever your medicine happens to be, groups of people come together and those people individually lack the power to solve the problem that they face. Mm -hmm. And that group and that connection where that energy field of unconditional love permeates in some dingy ass church basement with the shittiest coffee and cookies you've ever had in your life. You know, how does a deranged, mentally ill, homeless, alcoholic crackhead come in off skid row and sit in a room with 12, 15 people 
couple nights a week and become an uh, upstanding member of society and free of all of those demons. You know, there's a real power in that and the power is in the connection and that connection is able to uphold the individual enough through the inertia of the group energy to where they can start to apply some of the individual spiritual principles to their life. And so ensues a profound change of one's character, fundamentally who you are and an up-leveling of your consciousness to the point where now you, the guy that was the skid row drunk crack addict, are helping legions of other people yeah. that came from where you came from. How does that happen? You know, and it happens mm. at first through the human connection and the connection unbreakable the Yeah, the unbreakable will of unconditional love that's mm. <laughs> shared. I feel like I'm back home. Yeah. The mic might not even pick that up, but there's a there's a loud plane or helicopter above us. It's just like it's worth, it's worth being uh, outside. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, you know, that's always fascinated me. And especially as someone who's been through that experience subjectively, it's like, I'm a kid, I'm 26 years old. My life is just completely burned to the ground. Uh, I finally, out of desperation, get myself checked into a treatment center, spend 28 days there. Essentially, the treatment center served one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to convince me that I must avail myself to the 12 steps and to become a member of uh, a, a group, an anonymous uh, group, and to attend with rigorous commitment and make that my number one priority. And then if I did that, I was ensured that I could stay sober the rest of my life one day at a time. And, and I, you know, I mean, I guess I had a choice, but I didn't feel like I had a choice at the time. It was like, that was the only way. And so here I am, 26, just completely wrecked, homeless, um, just at an absolute bottom of all bottoms. I call it a subterranean bottom, you know, when you hit the bottom and then you keep digging. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, I walk in some rooms and people say, man, we love you. We've been there. Hold our hands and say a prayer. And out of that is the life that I have now. You know, it's incredible. It's powerful. And that's because of that human connection. The connection is yeah. the medicine. It really is. It's so It's so important. And even... It's- and even now in life, just realizing how important it is for me to, um, I mean, I was, you know, celibate for two years and I spent years not in relationships to work on myself and done all kinds of things. But now being in a really healthy, intimate relationship and actually acknowledging that we do need other people, that I do need someone. I, you don't I have do, to lone wolf it. Yeah, I do need to be loved and, and to be held. I need human touch. I need sensuality, sexuality hugs. I need someone that I can confide in, someone that can confide in me. I, I really believe that human beings have, especially men, have negated our need for other people and mm-hmm. our need to be nourished in that way. And after yeah. someone who spent so much time alone and just because of my own fears and insecurities, really avoidant of intimacy by any means necessary, <laughs> you know? yeah. um, to learning how to embrace that and actually not only acknowledging it, but celebrating it. That, wow, yeah, sometimes I, I really do need other people. Imagine that, you know, as someone who just prided myself on being a lone wolf and like, fuck the world, I'm going to do this my own way. But looking at the black and white results and the fruits of my labor, you know, not only was I not successful in so many different areas of life, but I was unfulfilled and really unhappy and ultimately very lonely. Yeah, you can go really fast when you're alone, but if you want to go, you know, if you want to go far, you got to go together. Mm, I like that. You can, That's a tweetable. 
<laughs> that's not my quote. That's not my quote. I don't know whose quote that's that is. That's a good but... one. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, man. Connection is the medicine. Community is the medicine. And that was, I mean, when I first moved up here to Sedona, I came from the city, Scottsdale, Phoenix area, and I had a huge community there. I was a, a teacher at a, a well-known holistic school there and had a big community there. And I just, I needed a deep reset. I needed some time alone, which I think is so important to be able to connect because you you actually know who you are and you have a deep sense of self and what you want to be. Because sometimes when we, we can't, when we do connect, we can get enmeshed yeah. and lose our yeah. sense of self. So it's, it's this dynamic of being solid in yourself, knowing what your medicine is and what you carry. And, and that way you can bring it to the other half. And I'm sure you witnessed that in relationship totally. But <laughs> I spent, yeah, I, which I do all the time. Um, because we lose ourselves in relationship too. But coming up here for for 2 years the first the first year and a half I was just in my little hobbit hole like just fucking doing my own thing and just spending so much time alone and it was it was so healing just uh really unpacking a lot of the just like the the wounds the trauma and and everything and um but I started to really feel a lack of community and a lack of connection. And I just, I didn't have a tribe. I didn't have a a close group of friends. And, and then I, I just could feel how important I was doing. Like I was cold plunging. I was like, you know, every morning and I'd be out there in the sun with my bare feet and like, you know, doing all the, and just eating amazing food from the farmer's market and, and everything. But, um, there was just a deep lack inside where I was just like, I didn't have a partner. I didn't have a community and, and I could just feel the, the depression coming through. And, and now it's like, it's so amazing to see. And Sedona's evolved a lot too, because there's, there's, there's a huge community that's brewing here and, and, and deep connections with, with people. And I can just like, ah, oh, I can feel how powerful it is to have a, a powerful community with you. And I deeply believe that we are communal beings and that is a huge purpose of our, our, that is a huge purpose for us on this planet is to deeply commune with each other, deeply commune with the planet and the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom and, and everything that's here. And I think that one thing that with the psychedelics that has, uh, I know they've shown from like brain scans and stuff is, is, a the, um, the brain, it kind of drops the, uh, like whatever psychedelic it is. I think this was done with, uh, LSD, but it drops the compartmentalization of the parts in our brain. So there's more connectivity Mm. to the different realms in our brain. And, um, we can actually make those connections in our head to the different things that were potentially closed off, and where I'm going with it is like the compartmentalization is is so such a uh, an epidemic with us and and you know we live in commute housing communities but nobody fucking knows their neighbors like we don't we can't you know like we, we yeah that's funny no that's, I never made that connection yeah. like you think about because uh, I'm looking for houses now and sometimes they're in a gated community <laughs> yeah yeah you know you think oh that's nice we're in a community not really. Yeah. Although my dad and and uh, and his wife live in a gated community, 
And it's some older folks who's on a golf course and stuff out in Colorado. And and it actually is a really nice, they've made friends and they all play tennis yeah. together. And it, it is a community. But yeah, I think with, with people that are younger and, you know, kind of, especially people that have grown up in an urban area where it's, it's not necessarily safe to just be emotionally and physically open to people that you meet because they're such yeah. a high concentration of kooks in an urban area. So true. You have to be... I'm in a bubble here. You have to be a, like, a bit more, uh, you know, um, cautious about who yeah. you allow into your field, I, I guess you could say. But yeah, I I think one of the things that really um, is becoming clear to me is just the need for... I don't need a lot of friends, but I do need a few really close friends that really know me, that really, really see me, you know? And in, in your yeah. romantic relationship, of course, that's... You know, probably I'm assuming in the best case scenario, that person probably knows you almost as well as you know yourself after a period of time, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's probably the way that it's supposed to be. But I think outside of that, especially as a man in the masculine, I also deeply desire relationships with men that can fulfill needs that I have that I can't with a female partner, you know, in terms Absolutely. of just being able to discuss things from a point of view energetically that is understood, right? It's like, oh, I can talk to Allison all day long about my experience yeah, but uh, fundamentally as a man, but yeah, that she can have empathy, but she can't really project herself into my experience yeah. to the depth that sitting down and having a conversation with you could. And I'm really seeing how important it is for me to have a like-minded tribe. And also in a similar way as to what I was discussing earlier, how a different teaching or teacher uh, modality that you practice for a certain period in your development works for you for that period and then you evolve out of it or transcend it or just move on to a parallel teaching of some sort. I found that um, some of my friendships have been in a healthy way transient in that nature as well where you come together with someone or a, a little micro cluster Cookie. a little micro cluster of, of homies and you uh, you know and you help each other and you evolve and your your sort of soul, travelers on a certain part of the mission and then that little group gets disbanded by whatever means uh cause it to sort of disintegrate sometimes in a, in a positive way sometimes not and then you think well i just don't need that anymore because that that support network is now gone and so i'm i've uh, this is what's happened to me on a number of occasions is okay i've arrived at a place where i don't need anyone anymore <laughs> you know yeah and then you go through some rough shit you're like oh actually i just need to build a new community network, whether yeah. you move or you're just moving through something you know and i think for me that experience was abundantly clear after spending a number of years with a tight-knit community within the 12 steps right and so a bunch of sober guys we support each other we help each other and at a certain point i think just because it's in my nature to kind of push the boundaries and keep exploring i sort of left the reservation and especially when i started doing plant medicines and stuff i mean that doesn't that's not widely accepted, yeah, to say the yeah. least, within the confines of um, recovery communities. And and you know, I can understand why. For most people, it probably wouldn't be productive. I wouldn't say that. For some people, it might not be appropriate. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I think for most addicts and alcoholics, plant medicines would probably be the best thing ever. But uh, you I know, agree. I have to exercise, you know, a sense of responsibility and and not just give it a blanket statement. But I definitely went off on my own path and kind of forged a new type of sobriety because I still don't drink. I don't do any illicit drugs. I just quit nicotine again after uh, about 10 years off it. It crept back mm -hmm. in and 
I just, uh, on the first, actually the first or yeah, first of November, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I just quit that cold turkey. Yeah. Um, but my network was comprised of people that were sober, you know, and that's beautiful, but there's also, I think kind of a ceiling that you hit in addiction recovery where most people come in very destitute and then they, you know, they get a career, they get a job, then they make a career and perhaps make a family and buy a home, kind of get reintegrated into society in a healthy way. And then that desire to really merge with consciousness and God and to really evolve to the point of enlightenment on this earth level is not necessarily there for everyone in recovery. They just kind of want their life back and they become contributing member of society and are doing positive things in the world. And they feel really good about that. And that's actually very admirable. I just never felt like that was the end for me. Yeah. You know, like first you have the physical sobriety, then you have the emotional sobriety where you start to understand the psyche and what motivates you and your triggers and trauma and doing deep work and therapy and retreats and all the things, meditation, all that. Um, But then at a point after that, it's like, if you really want to go all the way, which is enlightenment in this lifetime, there's very few people that are interested in that because of the dedication and sacrifice that that requires. Mm. And there's also very few people who are probably, I'm assuming, karmically lined up for that destiny this time around. Totally. You know? Might not be in this lifetime. Yeah. So the right, it might not be for me either, but I'm going to do my fucking best. You know, I'm going to keep going got a for glimpse it. Of it. I'm going to keep surrendering into that experience. You know, yeah. proactive surrender is what I like to call it. Um, but that kind of narrows the margins of like who you can hang with, seemingly. Totally. Uh, but I, I think once I acknowledged that I'd come to a place where I wanted to be around people that were really, really going for the far reaches of what's possible here, that um, it was necessary to have at least a small group of people that are also like-minded and, you know, as is my partner, Allison and friends like you that I'm meeting now, it's like, cool, there's more of us out here. Totally. It takes a little digging, but um, there's definitely another level beyond just being sober and staying sober and being relatively happy and functional. Um, that is really appealing to me. And that's, you know, I want to get to the highest level of consciousness I probably, I possibly can while I'm in this body here for as long as I'm supposed to be here. So that I've fulfilled my agreement here, <laughs> you know, which I feel like there's an agreement, a soul contract with God that says, put me in a body, put me in coach, you know, <laughs> put me in coach. Yeah. I'm ready to play. Put me in a body and I'm going to do my best to evolve, evolve as much as I possibly can in terms of my consciousness while I'm in that body until the day it's meant to expire. Uh, and hopefully the next time I come around, if I do, I'll have a higher footing as a starting point. And then eventually perhaps not need to or not need to want to come here at all. Yeah. And I don't know where you exist in the astral realms and it's a guardian angel or it's something of that sort. Everyone has different ideas on what that is, but uh, you know, the human experience is, is quite a grind as beautiful as it is. So it's the full spectrum. Yeah, so, such a full spectrum experience. I have no desire to keep coming back here for you know yeah. another ten thousand or a hundred thousand years or whatever. So I'm you know I'm deeply committed, and within that, yeah. you do still need that human support and connection. And sometimes that, I guess, what I'm saying is I'm discovering that that the need for the type of company you want evolves as you yeah, evolve. Totally, I almost think of it as like some people are. Some people are in elementary school as a soul, and some people are in junior high, and some people are in high school, and 
you know, some people are in college and, and you're, you know, when you move through those grades, your, your friend groups change, change your interests change. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, your support systems change and, you know, everyone's just kind of where they're at. None of it's either right or wrong. It's just where you're at. That's an important move. distinction right there. Yeah. yeah. Because there's, you know, the ego will always find a way to wedge itself in and attach to some positionality about who you think you are. And as one continues to evolve spiritually and acknowledge the need to, at some point, you know, uh, elevate to a different peer group, the ego, because it wants to always identify a position and differentiate, because that's how you survive, is like, yeah. you know, I'm safe over here, assess this person, are they a threat, yeah. are they a friend, foe? It's all that animal nature but the ego will just glom onto anything, you know, it can get a hold of. So being more spiritual or more evolved as a postgraduate student than the kindergarten student, you know, the ego will view itself as having more value in an elitist sort of way than someone who's a, a newer soul or someone who's on, yeah. you know, um, a different place on the path. And maybe it's a place in the path where you've, you've passed up years ago and now you're at this place. But I think it's, it's important for us. Spiritual hierarchy. Yeah. That, that, to really keep things in perspective that you would never look at a high school student, yeah. an arbitrary high school student and fourth grade student and think that the high school student is better yeah, or, or of more value or precedence than the fourth grader, right? Mm, absolutely. They're just at a different place in, in evolution. I think that's really important for me because there's been times, I mean, hopefully not in a long time because I've learned some hard lessons, but brings to mind like when I went to India, um, to learn to meditate and, you know, sit with the teachers and gurus and all that many years ago. And I came back and I had the, the beads, you know, and I was namaste everyone. <laughs> and while my intentions to go to India yeah. were to get closer to God and to deepen my spiritual practice, my ego co-opted that experience. Not to say that I didn't benefit from it in many ways also, and I'm glad that I went, but I came back and my ego co-opted that experience. And I came back as sort of uh, an alter ego of the spiritual guy who's been to India, right? So the ego built a spiritual ego around that experience and came back thinking that now I have something over other people that don't know how to do this particular blessing or this meditation or, you know, whatever, um, it's a slippery, whatever it's realization a slippery that I've been granted, you know, or just that someone else hadn't sat at the feet of these enlightened beings and had these profound experiences and, transcended as a result so again going back to the 12 steps i mean i think that one of the reasons i'm just so so yoked into that teaching is there's all kinds of sort of uh fail safes within that teaching that keep you down to earth and keep you humble that you never get too big for your britches you know Absolutely. they call it being right sized and and also that you never play too small either that you find an appropriate level of performance and activity in your life for the level that you're in always remaining mindful and aware that as you make progress, the ego's waiting there it's right on your there. shoulder to glom on to that next level of achievement or success and to take credit for it and to build another, yet another identity around that. Yeah. So to just remember, as one of my spiritual teachers said, he said, Luke, 
You know, no matter how far you advance, just remember you're just another swinging dick. <laughs> you know, that is a such a great spiritual teaching. <laughs> it is, and you think about like you know, you go to a you go to a hot springs or something, you know, and everyone's naked. It really is the great equalizer, right? Absolutely. It's like no one has their Mercedes, no one has their Chanel purse, no one no has their wearing their mala beads. Or yeah, no one has their you know mala beads and the orange robe and the turban. It's just like yeah, you're just a bunch of naked apes doing your best to evolve. So. That's been really useful to me, but also acknowledging that, as you said so appropriately, that as you do go through your earth school, you change grades and you evolve and sometimes you fail and you have to go backwards a couple grades because you didn't pass the test, right? Which for me, relationships was the one I kept failing, you know, Uh, just sex, romance, love, attachment, non-attachment, love addiction, love avoidance, all those things. It's like I'd make a little progress and then go way back and go back a few grades and have to, you know, reintegrate and relearn all those things. And I think many of us have those different areas of life in which we really struggle, you know, yeah. so for some people it's finances. That's been a big one for me, you know, understanding you the, the laws of commerce and the laws of um, currency and debt and responsibility and totally all of those things, you know, you really can't fight all the fronts at one time. Sorry, I was just looking at what what the dog was up to there. You're Cookie, good. Carry you're on. Good? She's good. All right. I was. I just She's thought, pointing. man, did I just see a bobcat in the tree? No, it was the dog <laughs> going back on the steps. Carry yeah, on. That would not be good. What I think you, we're at a low coyote risk hour right now. Yeah, so we are. There's okay. nothing. She's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, as you're saying that, it's like you really can't fight all the fronts at one time. You know, we can grow in these these different areas, and you know, and but to be fighting all of the fronts of self-development and finance and spirituality and everything. It's like, we're going to, we're going to ebb and flow between them. And, you know, maybe at this, at this season of my life, I'm really focusing on these areas. And at this season of my life, I, I, okay, I really, I really have been neglecting my finance area. So it's like, let's, let's move into that area. And I'm curious, like, you know, kind of to wrap this up a little bit, uh, what, what are you currently like really interested in or are you really fo- feeling yourself focus on? Right now, uh, I would say being relatively new at a dynamic, healthy relationship and learning about the different levels of intimacy that are there, what uh, a really healthy connection feels like, how to build a home and a family around that connection and discovering uh, what I think is a higher purpose of sexuality, a higher purpose of intimacy um, as it relates to my relationship with my body, the relationship with the partner's body, you know, all of that whole piece of having had for the most part a very superficial relationship with my body with the partner's body and also just so many barriers to intimacy and and vulnerability um so i think you know part of being out here in sedona is really looking for a place that is healthy and supportive of that relationship and to really build not only a um you know, a metaphysical home, but an actual physical home, like a house, a property to really like yeah. put roots down and, um, 
And also within that to really build uh, wealth and overcome any limitations to my perceived capacity for abundance and to relinquish and surrender any guilt around having a desire to be financially secure into the future and that, you know, wealth and spirituality can coexist and that um, you can be the steward of currency and use it for good. And so uh, I think that's kind of the next part of my maturity is, you know, the home life, financial security, building a stable future, the possibility of bringing in other souls or soul to come into that field and into that space where there is that security and that, um, that foundation being built. So it's interesting to be at that place at 50. You know what I mean? Totally, so, I mean, I don't yeah. think I'm old. I, it's probably, yeah. you know, somewhat common that men kind of finally like yeah. have sown their wild oats and realized there's more to life than just being a single dude and doing whatever you want and, and having fun. Um, I mean, I've been there for quite a while, but I just, it took a while to align with a partner that was ready to really meet me there. So I think in my life right now, uh, it's about that. And, and lastly, really finding a way to, hmm, (laughs) to build a, a business structure and container around who I am and what I do and to find a way to communicate that to people and to serve in a way that is mutually beneficial. You know, now it's like I have my podcast and I represent a number of different brands. I do affiliate marketing and I do online marketing, but uh, you know, the next move for me was doing a retreat and then COVID happened like two weeks after I was just about to sign on a location in Topanga and out in LA. And um, so I had to do a little pivot there and move into online. So I think from like a business standpoint where business meets my mission, yeah. fine tuning that a little bit and really becoming uh, more willing to put myself out there in that way, especially in the realm of personal development and spirituality and and sharing my wisdom and experience in those areas. Cause it's really easy for me to hide out and the biohacking territory, you know, yeah. just, it's superficial, right? It's like, yeah. I mean, I could teach people how to do an ice bath or like yeah. what, what's the best infrared sauna or all the things. And they're all fun. And I, I really do have a passion for physical health and, you know, just repairing and restoring your body and, you know, longevity, anti-aging. I mean, I think it's really a special thing to take care of the body we've been gifted with and to really give yeah. it all that it needs and to absolutely nourish it and, and honor it. Um, but it is also really safe territory for me in terms of my brand and my message. And it's very easy to hide out in there. And it's also where I make my money, yeah. you know, is in the health and wellness space. So, um, so I think that foundation and the family and the finances and all that and finding a home and really putting roots down, buying my first home, uh, you know, in my life, that is all sort of setting the foundation to take me and and my brand yeah. and company and my offerings and really what I'm here to serve and um, support humanity with to the next level and really getting very clear about what that is. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for the question because totally. I, I didn't even know that. Just, just, no, no, no. Yeah. You just, 
We just brought it to life, brother. Just, Thank you. I'm like, yeah. what? What is next? What am I doing? You just, you no. just made the claim, brother. You just yeah. made the claim, and um, yeah, it is an honor and uh, a pleasure to watch your evolution. And I can't wait to Thanks, to dude. see this next, this next chapter, this next phase. Dude. Me too. Me too, man. I'm, I'm really excited about what, what the world has to offer next. You know, it's it's really a different time. Yeah. Even just you know having made the firm resolve that I'm going to leave Los Angeles after all these years. Yeah. And that's huge. huge I just, dude, that's huge. It's so safe there for me. Yeah. It's just, everything's there, all the people, all the things. It's just all it's, the comfort, but that's not where so, you're going to step into your next evolution. No, it's not. And, and I also just don't want to be radiated to death. By, by 5G. <laughs> that's very simple. It's very yeah, simple. When I was looking at Sedona, I think one of the first things I was like typing in the, internet search browser as I don't like using the G word anymore because they're such diabolical assholes but I did a web search of is there 5G in Sedona and not just a, not much came up but a few articles were like no the citizens in whatever year said no we're not having it here I was like that's my place because my second it's choice home, is, is Austin but Austin if you look at a 5G map it's just like the whole city's <sighs> yeah. inundated with that shit there's so many beautiful things going on there too but there's such an interesting relationship with the people from Austin and Sedona like I yeah, feel like yeah, there's a lot that. of people coming back and forth so you get a lot of the similar vibes and um well, maybe that's the move. It's, you know, yeah. put down roots here, get a house. And then when it gets too cold yeah. here, <laughs> go to Austin. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just like you were saying in the beginning. It's like, you know, before you were in Hollywood or LA and you were like, you know, having to take these these trips out to nature. It's like, why don't you flip-flop that? Why don't you set yourself in your foundation in nature and you can take your trips into the city? And that's, Amen, brother. That's what, that's what I found what's healthy for me and what feels right for me because yeah. we do, you know, I feel like we need both, but yeah. But yeah. Well, brother, I think we're going to cap it there and uh, I can't wait to drop in with you again soon. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Right. I mean, it's it's funny doing <laughs> podcasts like this because if we were just hanging out, we'd probably have fun, go to the creek, which hopefully we'll do some of that stuff. But it's unlikely we would sit down for 90 minutes on any given day and just have a really deep and focused conversation. Yeah. You know, because, you know, things happen, people roll up. <laughs> You know, I love having you go eat, you, you do shit, you know, and so it, inter- it interferes sometimes with actually really getting to know someone. So yeah, thank it's, you. It's good to put a structure around it and then really setting the time aside. And, you know, I can say that for a relationship too. It's good to have like the structure around, you know, yeah. lovemaking or whatever it is. You yeah. Know, really date night, set, man. <laughs> really setting that time aside to like, let's go deep, dude. Let's connect. For sure. Let's go deep. For sure. Yeah. All right, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yep.